All right, I hope some of you have your Gitas with you because it's really fun to kind of read them as we go along together. We're on chapter 10 and the title of the chapter in Sanskrit is Vibhuti Yoga and Master, uh, our Guru and Swamiji call it from unmanifested to the manifested. In the previous chapter, Krishna begins to reveal this omnipresent, infinite, unmanifested state of being. And in this chapter, he's going to try to bring that energy back. And it's based specifically on a question that Arjuna asks that we'll talk about. But as always, I like to go, even though we fast, you know, we're on verse 21, but I like to always come back to the first verse of every chapter that we begin, because every time Krishna kind of sets a certain tone there. And if you remember our last class, what was the tone? I guess you can't tell me particularly, but we'll find out. <clears throat> the blessed Lord said, O mighty armed Arjuna, hear now my supreme utterance. Speaking for your highest good, I will say more to you who have listened with joy. And that was the kind of the particular energy of this chapter. Because in every chapter you see Krishna revealing layer after layer, a little bit more, a little bit more in the previous chapter, I love this because somehow that's just so important to me, is Krishna says, because you have overcome the carping spirit, now I, you know, I will relate this next level of wisdom to you. And the carping spirit, of course, is that negativity, is that complaining aspect, is the fault-finding aspect that's very much present in our Even consciousness. <laughs> so Krishna is kind of guiding Arjuna Inward, of course, because this is an inner conversation taking place, not on the outward battlefield. Um, but he's guiding in that deeper layers of what that Arjuna is letting go of, where his consciousness is kind of arriving. And now his consciousness has arrived to a state of joy. And we're talking about the very essence of joy is in joy, we don't have any more questions, really. When we're happy, we're never questioning, why am I so happy? And... But the moment we drop from the state, if we're a little upset, a little unhappy, immediately, I don't know why I'm upset, I don't know why this person did to me. In question, the questioning mind is a state where the mind is not in joy. And so Arjuna has now gotten to a state himself in his meditation with that natural bliss has begun to come forth. And now what he's receiving is from that state of bliss. And therefore, everything of this chapter has to also been, be taken from that perspective because this chapter especially deals with a lot of intellectual stuff. Mm -hmm. Remember, we were talking about Krishna starts saying, in this particular aspect, I'm this, in that particular aspect, I'm this. He goes into a lot of our scriptural understandings from the Puranas, from the Vedas. He draws on a lot of Devatas and Asuras, brings a lot of these elemental gods, the Vedic gods, into this chapter and on one hand you might start thinking of okay i need to know all these names and i need to okay ismay i have to worship krishna like this that's really not the point here and krishna hints at that as well because first he wants us to get into that bliss when we are in that bliss what krishna really is doing here is these entire devatas these gods he starts here of course with the saptarishis then he talks about the four kumaras he talks about the 14 manus we talked about them being the stages of administrative creation because God uses instruments to manifest. In his unmanifested state, he's like, 
I'm not touching that. <laughs> you know, I don't want to deal. I'm in perfect bliss. But in order to create, he has his little channels and administrators and the entire pantheon of devatas and the asuras and all those stories are essentially, you can say, a creation hierarchy. From the causal world, which is the, remember we talked about the Manas Putra of Brahma, who are the Saptarishis, they are ideational forms. They create the causal world where everything is first born purely out of the thought of God. When that thought gains more energy and power, it comes into the astral world, which is the energy world, where the Devatas and the Asuras live. That's their level of functioning and being. And then, of course, finally from there. And there are multiple stages there as well. And you'll see them. You've got the Gandharvas, you've got the Yakshas, you've got the Raksha, Rakshas, you've got the Asuras, you've got the Devtas, and even within them, you've got the Adityas, you've got the Vasus, you've got the Maruts. I mean, these are the things where you, a guy would go crazy and think, say, Ki, I don't understand what the Hindu philosophy really is about because it's like just filled with classifications and names and levels of, you know, powers and beings, but they're all just how consciousness from its absolute pure infinite, you know, essence begins to solidify until it looks like this. And inside us, that entire aspect of consciousness lives in all those same levels because as is without so is within and vice versa. So Krishna is trying to draw us into our understanding of how he, in his essence, in his essential being, began to kind of create this reality and so that we can relate to it as well because this comes from Arjuna's question to Krishna that says, I, I understand that you're this vast, infinite, unmanifested state that neither the gods nor the asuras can even fathom. But, O Supreme Yogi, Krishna, I love he calls him the Supreme Yogi, how shall I meditate on you? And how, how am I to know you as you are? In what forms and aspects can I most accurately think of you? Because that's helpful, right? Because when we're thinking of this unmanifest, Satchitananda, vague, vast. vast, you know, it's just like my mind can't even like, what am I seeking here? You know, it sounds good to the mind, but I have no idea what that really is. And so Arjuna, as the yogi, is, you know, awakens these realities. He's like, where else? How else am I to draw from you? How am I to know you in your essential nature, in everything that is around me? Because that's important as well. We're not, none of us are sitting to meditate 24 hours a day. You know, I mean, we're lucky if we get an hour. So what about the rest of the day? How else am I to commune with Krishna? And everything that Krishna is saying, of course, he's subtly revealing these layers, but he's also just essentially saying, in absolutely anything, I exist as its highest aspect. So in whatever we do in this world, if we can pick it up from its highest point of being, we're communing with God. We're communing with that vibratory because in anything, the pure consciousness exists and all the layers of being exist, just as in this bookmark, just as in me, just as in the work that I do, just as in my family life. In it all, Krishna exists and then he comes down in all those myriad, confusing outward aspects as well.
So let's get to where we were, which is verse 21. Among the Adityas, I am Vishnu. We talked about the Adityas. The Adityas were the children, the 12 children of Kashyap and Aditi. And they formed the original Devas. And essentially they are the sun. They are the, and that's why Vishnu is that aspect of the sun, the 12 months and the different ways that the sun uh, presents itself in each particular month are the Adityas. And so the sun is what? Is the preserver. The sun is the sustainer. The sun gives us life. And so that's the Vishnu quality of the Aditya, of the solar energy that lives within us. Among luminaries in the sky, I am the sun. And we talked about, of course, the sun being stationed over here. In our being, the most luminous uh, object is the spiritual eye. Among the wind gods, I am Marichi, the most beneficial wind. We talked about the different Maruts. There are 49 in total. And they all represent different aspects of the wind. Isn't that just crazy that the wind has like 49 different kind of qualities to it and of course we talked about the inner our own inner winds which of course the breath being one of them and that's what Marichi in a certain that's the way we can gain control of our consciousness isn't it with the breath every meditation technique it's about the breath that particular quality of the wind that allows us to gain control of our own consciousness and among the nocturnal luminaries I am the moon we talked about nocturnal as in when we are in ignorance, when we are in darkness, when that light of wisdom has not yet shown within us, we are the moon, which is, of course, the medulla oblongata, which is the ego right here, the negative pole of the Agya Chakra. And so, in ignorance, the highest reality that is God is the ego. When you can't see beyond yourself, then, then Krishna is in that as well. And that's the beauty. It's like, where are you? You know, we don't have to be here all the time. When I'm here, at least my ego is like, Chalo kuch karte hai. even if it's self-serving, it's something that puts energy out, puts your consciousness in an attempt to expand towards something. Even wanting money is an attempt to expand towards something greater than you are already experiencing in this moment. So the ego is, when you're ignorant, then the ego for that time being is Krishna until you know any better. Among the Vedas, I am the Samved. Because the Samved is said to be the most beautiful, melodic Veda, in which it's all about really just praising God. So in that, in knowledge, which is what the Vedas represent, that wisdom, I am that aspect of the wisdom that's always praising the divine behind everything. Among the gods, I am Indra. Indra, of course, being the king of the gods the king of these astral entities. Now, what are the gods in the Asuras? We've said this enough times, but those elevating, uplifting qualities, astral energies inside us, and the downward pulling, you know, contractive qualities that live very much inside us all the time. So those two realities and Indra being, Indra being that highest among those elevating qualities, being the king of those elevating qualities. Of sense perceptions, I am the mind. Of all the senses, <laughs> there are five senses, the mind's not a sense, but he says, of the senses, I am the mind, because the mind is the perceiver of the senses. Without the mind, those five senses are 
as good as useless. If information may be coming in, but where is that information being sent to? That being our ability to um, relate to the world and to be able to discern the world. And then in creatures, I am their intelligence. So everything, I am, if you are going to relate to an individual, relate to that intelligent reality inside them, and there you will find me. Of course, we like to think most people are not as intelligent as we are. <laughs> but there's Krishna right there, shining through whatever reality that you can bring forth the highest in people. Just hold on to that and say, that's my Krishna for now. And that's what I'm going to relate to in everybody that I meet. Among the Rudras, which Swamiji here says, are the intelligent life forces. Rudras, you know, when I started looking this up, I went online and I said Rudras. And I got, of course, this huge Wikipedia page, you know, is the go-to place. And all I read over there is, some people believe these are the Rudras, some other people believe these are the Rudras, and some are, and I got like, 50 different versions with completely different names of all the Rudras. I was like, how do we keep any of this? In this Veda, they are, this is the Rudras. In this Puran, these are the Rudras. In some, they are 11. In some, they are 64. In some, they are... So anyway, if you start going into these things, beware of these confusing kind of realities. But they're all just one enlightened being, some Rishi, who tuned into these different forces inside himself. And somebody decided that there are four for particular forces. Somebody decided, no, I think there are 14 forces. And somebody decided there are 64 forces. And they gave them these beautiful names and these gave them these beautiful qualities. So it doesn't really particularly matter how many intelligent life forces they have inside us. Let's just know that they're enough. Among them, I am Shankara, the empowering intelligence. Again, that which gives intelligence to. So Krishna is always saying, I mean, I'm the essence of it all. If you just take a thread and kind of go all the way in, you will find me in absolutely everything. But you have to look for me there. We're so used to relating to the world from the surface. We don't care much for what's lying, what lies at the center of anybody. We don't want to know anybody enough to even know their center. We make our snap judgments and then that's it. We've painted that person for life. We've painted those realities, those situations, those food items, whatever it is. Oh yeah, I like it, I don't like it. This is good, this is bad. This works for me, this doesn't work for me. So no, no wonder we're unable to see God everywhere because we've rejected so much of God that now it's going to be hard to find him. Among the Yakshas and Rakshasas, which are the astral abstractions of human desire. So Yakshas and Rakshasas are both, in fact, semi-divine beings. One closer to the, to the gods and one a little further away. They're different from the Asuras, which is another super confusing part. Asuras being that really downward pulling realities. These are earthly desires that continue to vibrate even on the astral plane. And here, what is that particular desire that I am the highest in, is I am Kubera, the god of wealth. So that is one desire, that desire for abundance, for prosperity, this hidden remembrance that this entire universe is mine, and yet for some reason I find myself with such a tiny portion of, of everything that exists, and this desire to want it all. 
Because somewhere inside us, every one of us are think, think we deserve far more than we have, which is entirely true. And so that's that vibration that we carry, even in the astral world, even after we leave this body, when you go there, that particular desire for wealth and for prosperity, for abundance will continue to remain with you. And in that, those levels of qualities, that state of expansion, Krishna says, I am in that state of expansion as well. Among the Vasus, which are the vitalizing forces, now the Vasus are eight in total, and they are the elements, air, uh, earth, fire, water, fire, air, ether, and then there are the sun, it's the moon, and it's the nakshatras, the stars. So again, they're essentially a map of our chakras. You've got earth, you've got water, you've got fire, you've got air, you've got ether, you've got the moon, you've got the sun, and the nakshatras represent the zodiac which when the ira and the pingla interacts with the chakras, every negative and positive pole creates one of the zodiacs and therefore you get 12 in total. So among that particular make of the astrological cosmos, I am Agni, which is interesting because you think, you know, why, why isn't he the highest? But Agni is that fire element. In fact, Arjuna represents Agni. He is the third chakra in the Pandavas. And it is this fire that kind of propels us. It's that energy inside us that moves to express greater and greater realities. We need that energy above all to succeed in life. And Krishna says, I am that energy. In any moment when you feel down, when you feel low, when you're confused, when you don't know what to do, all you really need to do is move energy. If you do one first thing, our whole thing is that when I don't know anything, I But if you just move a little energy, if you get a little Agni going inside you, suddenly consciousness changes, energy changes, and everything starts moving again. Among the mountain peaks, I am Meru. Of course, here Meru is also the Meru Dund of the spine. Of priests, O son of Pritha, Arjuna, know me to be Brihaspati. Today is Brihaspati Var, so there we go, the guru of the gods. Among generals, I am Skand, which is Kartikeya, who is the son of Lord Shiva and Parvati. He's the general of the divine army. Among bodies of water, I am the ocean, and I am vast. So, of course, we can go and dive into each one of these. And in fact, I highly recommend, because one thing that I really got quite excited about is to look at all these names and to figure out what these bi stories are because each of them have these really really complicated stories woven around them some you know really deeply symbolic and uplifting and some just kind of uh, by parts or diversions but nonetheless extremely entertaining and educative so if you feel to it'll be lovely for you to go through this chapter and then just pick up these names and just follow those trails and say, oh, what's Krishna trying to be here? And who's Krishna trying to be here? Not because that particular reality matters, because one thing that Krishna says, which is an important, real, uh, important thing for us to remember, I'll relate only those that are, out, that are outstanding of my qualities, for there is no end to my variety. And that's another very important thing to realize. There is no end. 
हम ढूंढते रहेंगे ढूंढते रहेंगे ढूंढते रहेंगे यू स्टार्ट डाउन वन यू नो होप की भाई दिस वे आई विल फाइंड वॉट आई एम लुकिंग फॉर एंड यू कैन जस्ट गो ऑन एंड ऑन एंड ऑन एंड ऑन एंड ऑन एंड ऑन एंड इफ यू रीड आर स्क्रिप्चर्स यू विल रियलाइज दैट यू कैन रियली जस्ट कीप गोइंग ऑन एंड ऑन एंड ऑन देर इज नो एंड टू माई वेराइटी सेज गॉड सो आई एम ओनली गोइंग टू गिव यू लाइक अ वेरी ब्रीफ जस्ट टू गिव यू एन एसेंस कि हाँ हो क्या रहा है where all am i where all can you find me how all can you relate to me and that's really what krishna wants he doesn't very much want us to get involved because that's what maya does it doesn't it it th- throws a few bread comes for us and hum khate 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 bas chalte hi rehte hain among great rishis i am bhrigu among words i am the syllable om among yagyas i am japa yagya i love this one among yagyas yagyas being all these you know rituals outward sacrifices and offerings and krishna says i am japa yagya and when i was thinking about the japa yagya i was thinking it it's the simplest of them all isn't it you don't need no fire and you don't need your ghee and you don't need all that knickknacks and you don't need mantras you just need yourself and in your own mind wherever you are it's a constant yagya it can happen anytime anywhere there is no time there is no best place there is no you don't need nothing outside of you to perform the japa yagya and so krishna is like i am the simplest form of worship in all forms of worship and that's also a very sweet way to look at god find him in the simplicity not in the complex oh, how much can i you know really tune into all these realities I just want to be really simple before God and that japa yagya is that the most simplest way constant without needing anything but your own consciousness among things unmoving i am the himalayas among trees i am ashwatha ashwatha is the people tree and later on in the gita itself krishna um takes the ashwatha tree and says the upturned ashwatha tree is what the human body is and we talk about that inverted tree of life where the roots are in the brain the sahasrara the branches are our nervous system and the trunk is the spine among the divine seers i am narad among the gandharvas i am chitrarath among perfected beings i am kapila now who chitrarath is <laughs> Narad we all know Narayan Narayan sometimes i will call narayani this way narayani narayani <laughs> wherever he wherever god needs to send him he's the messenger especially of vishnu but he's just finds himself at the right time at the right place and he's mischievous he's not narad muni is not your you know stoic saint who is just yeah, he he realizes the leela and he enjoys the leela so his wisdom is both bhakti based he's not a he's not like an intellectual narad but he's a great seer which means he's been given the boon that he sees past present future he knows all the karmas and all the lifetimes of all human beings and he only comes and finds himself in those key moments so in those key moments of your own life that are <laughs> comico tragedies <laughs> assume that narad is there and if narad is there assume that vishnu is there is krishna is there and the gandharvas of course are the creative forces inside us 
the Gandharvas are the divine musicians. And Chitrarath is the god, is the king of the Gandharvas. And Chitrarath, Rath is the chariot. Chitra, of course, means picture, but it is the creative energy. And so the king of the creative forces inside us, in your creativity, Krishna lies. Among perfected beings, I am Kapila. Kapila was the exponent of the Shankhya philosophy. Shankhya is one of the six main uh, philosophies in the Hindu tradition. And Shankhya connects very closely to yoga. It's the why of yoga. Yoga is how. How do I do this? How do I find God? And Shankhya is why must we do this in the first place? And it was Kapila in the Shankhya philosophy who first gave us the gunas, which is like the foundation of of all creation, the sattva guna, the, the admixture of the gunas in every person, in everything, in every atom of being. And he also gave something very interesting, the Shankhya philosophy is how to know truth, how to know what is real. And he says there are three ways, through perception, through inference, and th then through corroboration from a reliable source outside yourself. <laughs> And Patanjali goes greatly into this corroboration of the reliable source being the Guru. Because there is no reliable source otherwise, because who else knows reality as it is. So your, he says your perception can be flawed, your inference can be flawed. So you have to first find a reliable source. And therefore from Shankhya, in fact, the very um, need for yoga is born. So Kapila being that great sage. Among horses, I am the nectar-born Uche, I have to get these, these pronunciations correct, Uche Shravas, I think. Among elephants, I am Eravat. Among men, I am the monarch. Now, Uche Shravas was a seven-headed horse, who is also Indra's horse, who was born out of the churning of the milk ocean, therefore nectar-born. And Eravat is also the elephant of Lord Indra. So again, just these vehicles, these vahans, these instruments of these divine forces. A horse in Indian mythology always represents energy. So all these different ways that the divine may come to us, I am the highest of those ways. Among men, I am, of course, as he says, the monarch, I am the king among men. Among weapons, I am the thunderbolt, which is the vajra. Now, there's a fun story behind the Vajra, which is the Vajra is made out of the spine of a sage called Dadichi. And there was this Asura, as always there is. Indra has been, you know, thwarted and thrown out of his kingdom. Now, Indra goes to all the, you know, the Brahma. Brahma says, I can't help you, goes to Vishnu, the whole thing. And then they say, finally, no, the only way you will be able to defeat him because this Asura has a boon, which who gave him these boons? Brahma, <laughs> like, you know, it doesn't get more confusing than this. God gives all the same powers to the Asura and then now he's like, now I'm helpless because I've given all these, which is so important for us, right? Because God's not, he's given us this free will. He's given us all our skills and qualities and he's like, mm, now you have to figure it out because I've given this to you already. Now don't come to me and say, bhai, meko kyu diya say? now give me something else. So, of course, he's got the boon that he cannot be killed by any weapon ever made. So now a new weapon has to be forged and the Vajra, this thunderbolt, is forged out of the spine of this Rishi who willingly offers his life 
in order to create it. So of course, our thunderbolt is our most powerful weapon. Among cows, I am Kamdhuk, Kamdhenu, the wish-fulfilling cow. In sexual desire, this was an interesting one, in sexual desire, I am procreation, which means in the desire, in the attraction, in the fulfillment of the sexual desire, I am the, the need to continue to create life. Now, he didn't say in sexual desire, I am pleasure, which is where we tend to want to pick sexual desire up from. He's like, okay, if you use this force I have given you in the way that I have the essence of what this force is about, which is the power. I mean, sex, the sexual energy is like God's own power because if God can create, this is man's way to create. Can you imagine our ability to actually create life? I mean, it's a, we don't think about it often enough, but it's crazy that we can create life. We can endow an entire soul, create an entire vessel for a soul to come into and continue its soul evolution. I mean, that's a, that's a Siddhi. But of course, we don't use these Siddhis well, do we? We use it for the most absolutely, you know, jaldi se kuch mil jai, is se bas So he says, in the sexual desire, I exist, but I exist when that sexual desire is channeled for its highest manifestation, which is procreation. Not to put anything else down, but if you're looking for God in sexual desire, that's where you'll find him. Among serpents, I am Vasuki. Vasuki is also the king of the serpents. He's Shiva serpent. He was the one used for the Samudra Manthan. Among Naga serpents, now I don't know what the difference here is, I am Ananta. Ananta is, of course, endless, infinite. That is, Ananta is the is Vishnu serpent, the one he's lying on, said to be have 10,000 hoods. Among water beings, I am Varun. Now, Varun was the god of water, one of the elementals, one of the essential elements of being. Among departed ancestors, I am Aryama. Now, this one I had to look up. Like, who's Aryama? <laughs> Never heard this name before. But Aryama is the, the king of, uh, they call it a planet, but of course, this is an astral dimension where our ancestors go, Pitralok. And so if, if I'm looking to kind of tune in and commune with those who have come before me, if I commune with Aryama, then I'm communing with the highest kind of vibration where my relationship to my ancestors isn't like, I miss you so much, you know, where we try to draw them back and trap them in, their, in the little identities that they had lived temporarily. But it's in that highest space of being where you can draw true guidance from those who have gone before you, true support from those who have gone before you. And so that is Aryama. Aryama is also one of the Adityas, those 12 aspects of the sun. Um, and Aryama specifically is the one for the month of April and May. So maybe when he comes soon, we'll tune into him. Among those who maintain law and order, I am Yama. Yama we all know and fear. He is the god of death, but really the god of dharma. He's the judge. At the end of this life, he gets to weigh our scales and say, Which astral level is he going to be able to enjoy, or in some cases, not enjoy, during that little sojourn before we are ready, before 
as uh, our Guru said, our own vrittis of desire begin to vibrate again for fulfillment once again on the earthly plane. And that's what draws us. It's, a, it's an actual force that draws us back into needing to experience and express that which we have created through our karma. Among purifiers, oh sorry, among the Daityas, I am Prahalad. The Daityas were the Asuras. Remember I said Kashyap married, had Aditi with the Aditi, he had Adityas. And with Aditi's sister, who was Ditti, he had the Daityas. So the Adityas became the gods and their progeny. And the Dittis became the Daityas, became the Asuras. And Prahalad, of course, we know, perhaps, is the son of one of those great Asuras, who was an ardent devotee of Vishnu. And so he was the highest among the Asuras. Among measurers, I am time. Among animals, I am their king, the lion. Among birds, I am Garud. In classical symbology, Garud is, sorry. In classical symbology, Garud is the vehicle of Vishnu. Among purifiers, I am the wind. Among wielders of weapons, I am Ram. Among aquatic creatures, I am Makkar. Makkar is the crocodile. And he's also the vehicle, the Vahan of Varun, who is the god of water. Which was interesting to kind of tune into because a crocodile is not really a wholly aquatic animal, right? It can kind of, it's both on land and in water. And that's an interesting thing that his Vahan is not purely water-based, but has a relationship and a connection to the earth element as well and the water element, as if he can tune into both if needed. Among rivers, I am Janvi, which is Ganga. Among all manifestations, O Arjuna, wow, I thought I will get through this. Should we just read them all? Sure. Among all manifestations, O Arjuna, I am their beginning, middle and end. Among the various branches of knowledge, I am the wisdom of the self. The highest absolute wisdom of all knowledge is the knowledge of the self. Among debates, I just love these things. It's like, how do you come up with this stuff? Among debates, in case you're wondering, where's God in a debate? I am the clearest reasoning. Wow. I mean, it's just, it doesn't get better than this. How do I tune into God? And I'm, talk, I'm looking at a debate, not as a debate but as an argument. You know, when you get an, in an argument with people, where's God in an argument? God is the clearest reasoning in that argument. Isn't that just amazing? And if you're a true devotee, you'll want to tune into the clearest reasoning. What do we want to tune into in an argument? To be right. To be right. <laughs> we just want to be right. It doesn't matter if we're actually right. We just want to be right. We're not interested in God. But if in an argument... I can say, what I really want is that clearest reasoning. I want truth. Mm. Then we can call ourselves a devotee of Krishna. You see, the, the bar is pretty high. <laughs> Among all letters, I am the first in the alphabet. Among compounds, I am the connector. I have to look this up. What's a compound? But it's a grammatical thing. It's like, you know, it's like jo join karta words go. <laughs> I am the connector, that which joins two words together to create a third different word. 
in time i am the immutable in creation i am the omnipresent and ever turn my face in all directions which is a reference to brahma the creator i am all dissolving depths i am birth i am the origin of things yet to be again another beautiful way to tune into god yet to be in his poem samadhi paramhans yogananda said um all thoughts of all men past present to come when you are in that state of samadhi can you imagine all thoughts of all men past present to come those who have not even been born yet and you can just feel them and you know every thought they'll ever think ever among the feminine manifestations which swamiji writes here are the qualities of prakriti i am this these are feminine manifestations haven't tuned into them before this way i am fame success the illuminating power of speech memory intuitive discrimination firmness in loyalty and patience so if you're looking for god in these particular consequalities may i should express him again i love these tiny little lists that he gives us someone should take these little lists and really put them out and say you know and just use them i mean these are to be used these are not to be marveled at and ah krishna how beautiful you know it's just like ah okay next time i'm patient i'm really being god next time i use my speech as an illuminating form i'm being god if i'm uplifting people through my speech there lies krishna among hymns i am brihat samma brihat samma is within the samaved among poetic matters i am gayatri so now this is of course not gayatri mantra this is a poetic matter a poetic matter means the rhythmic structure of a poem or of melody essentially so there are a lot of matters in sanskrit the gayatri is one of those matters and the gayatri mantra is the mantra in the gayatri matter and the gayatri matter has eight syllables per line and has three lines so when anything has three lines and eight syllables per line that forms the gayatri matter among months i am mar- marg shirsha which i didn't know what that month is which is the auspicious winter month apparently november december why is krishna margashisha among months who could say among seasons i am kusum kusumakar which is the flower bringer which is spring among deceivers now he's thrown in a little curve ball there i am gambling i was thinking about gambling and and gambling is where we give away our free will isn't it where it's just it's completely chance based and many of us would like to give away our free will ki bhai tu bata de mere ko kya karna hai whereas our real power comes from our ability to choose we have to learn to choose god over everything else not that he just because there's no other choice i go to god and our life most of us live our life pretty much as a gamble because we don't know why we are doing what we are doing chal aaj gussa ho jata hai aaj isko you know aisa bol dete hain let me lie in this particular case and see what happens it's like everything is a tukka for us 
and among deceivers i am gambling i just love krishna kind of throwing that in there for us to just tune into to say ki wahi wahan pe bhi main hu even in that i have not yet abandoned you of the glorious i am glory for those who strive to win i am victory among the good i am sattva guna among vrishnis i am vasudev which is krishna vrishni is a dynasty that krishna was born into so here let's just see how detached he is from this reality that he is in among the vrishnis i'm krishna matlab <laughs> he's only speaking but even in that he's saying i'm just one tiny aspect of my own being among the pandavas i am yourself dhananjaya arjuna among the pandavas i am you which is to say among all people i am you he's just telling you i am you <laughs> among the munis i am vyasa among the sages i am ush ushanas who is also shukracharya shukracharya was the guru of the asuras i am the rod of discipline i am the skill of the victorious i am the silence of hidden things among why among the wise i am wisdom whatsoever constitutes the reproductive seed of all beings that i am there is nothing over juna moving or unmoving that exists apart from me o scorcher of foes or juna the manifestations of my divine attributes are without limit just again he's just like remember ye bas chota sa hai this brief declaration of them merely hints at my being whatever being is endowed with power prosperity or glory know that that endowment itself is only a spark of my effulgence and finally this is the last verse of this chapter i thought we should get through it i don't think i can come back to it in the next and go <laughs> explain each of them all over again and this is really remember the first one we went to and that was like the crux like okay we need joy and this is the kind of tying it all together where krishna after explaining it all says what need have you however o arjuna for these manifold details <laughs> know this only after reading all of this all we really need to know is this the unchanging and everlasting i the unchanging and everlasting permeate and sustain the entire cosmos with but a fragment of my essential being you can know everything about creation everything about everything everything there is ever to know and you'll still not know god that's something huh and we're just wanting to know it all aren't we but you will just get to know a fragment of my being that's why these saints they're they're the smart ones they're not interested in the fragment they want the whole pie and we need to want that whole thing and that's what krishna is saying sure you can get lost in all of the show you can check me out as varuna and you can find me as indra and you can get involved in all these different ways that i exist as but of what use are these details to you arjuna because all of them together in their totality represent but 
a fragment of my essential being. And in the next chapter, we'll have that divine vision of Krishna, where, where Arjuna finally says, well, in that case, Krishna, I want to see you as you truly are. But we'll wait for that. We need a week of preparation before we can take that divine revelation. In the meantime, just say, of what use is this Arjuna? And let's look for God in its entirety and not get easily satisfied with these fragments. I was thinking there are some chapters on the Gita with so many names, so many meanings, so difficult even to pronounce. They just go all over my head. Yet I want to make an effort. How can I implement that knowledge that Krishna is trying to convey into my daily life in a practical way? Because this is what the scriptures are all about. It's not just to satisfy us intellectually, but how can I apply a scripture in my daily life with my children, with my husband at work? And I was thinking in this chapter, if God is saying that he is absolutely in everything, in everyone, and if he's in the highest of everything, perhaps what we can do every day is to do exactly the same things that we are doing, but better. And if we can clean our room every day a little bit better, if we can do the dishes a little bit better. If we can dress ourselves a little bit better, perhaps we need to really iron that shirt <laughs> just because it's just going to change our vibration. I love the title of this chapter, From the Unmanifested to the Manifested. So what we are actually doing in our daily lives is to try to manifest God's consciousness, which is beauty, harmony, creativity, wisdom, understanding, to bring that vibration into manifestation through our words, our actions, what we emanate. And, and I think this would be a very good kind of homework for this week. What about if everything that I'm doing already, I don't need to change absolutely anything in my life. I don't need to push anywhere, anyone away. What about if perhaps I learn to do these things, but better, with more refinement, with more awareness, with more willpower, with more joy, with more energy, from the Manipur, from where Arjuna really lives and is asking of each one of us, that's how our lives should be lived in joy, with greater awareness, with creativity. And, and this is what I'm taking for me, with me, in this chapter. The moment I end this class, I want to do exactly the same I do, to pick up my pillows, to, you know, arrange things, but this time is going to be different because I'm going to make an effort to do it better. So um, I hope this helps. And I think if each one of us learn how to live our lives a little <coughs> bit more 
better, I think this world over interactions and, and who we think we are will really, will be able to help other people to see the highest in us and for us to start seeing the highest in them.